0: Welcome to EHS On Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week, I talked to James Thornton, incoming president of the American Society of Safety Professionals, about what he hopes to accomplish in the next year. And now, on to the interview. All right, I'm joined today by Jim Thornton, the incoming president of the ASSP. Welcome to the show, Jim.
1: Thank you, Jay. Glad to be here.
0: Well, glad to be here. We're actually in San Antonio at uh, Safety Twenty Three. Uh, how's the uh, show going for you so far?
1: Uh, the show's been great. Uh, we had a wonderful opening by Jimmy Yeri, and uh, I think he was uh, grabbed. A, uh, he, he was very emotional. And I think he his program sort of grabbed a lot of people's attention because everyone could relate to his songwriting and. Uh, some tears were shed in there, so oh, yeah, all, right. all good, nice. all good. And we have, a, of course, a you know a professional development program, seminars, education, networking. Uh, so there's no bad shows; they're right. all good shows, yes. and yeah. and even great, even greater shows. So the, so far, and it's and the weather's it. nice, and yeah. can't can't beat the weather. Yeah. And uh, so yes, it's been a great start.
0: Excellent. Um, So I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself. You've been involved with ASSP for a long time. You're going to be the president starting June the 30th or July 1st. Yes. Um, So yeah, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your career and how you got involved in EHS.
1: Well, uh, everybody that comes into the EHS field, occupational safety and health, whichever you prefer, uh, some come from different directions. Nowadays, uh, people are actually going uh, and enrolling in, in uh, collegiate programs, leading bachelor's degrees and advanced degrees in occupational safety and health. In my case, uh, uh, a long time ago, uh, I wanted to go to the moon. And so I enrolled in the aerospace engineering program and graduated in aerospace engineering. About that time, uh, and had a job offer uh, to uh, build uh, rockets in Tullahoma, Tennessee. And uh, I wanted to go to the moon, go to space. Now, was this
0: around the time when people, when we had, you know, regular missions going up there?
1: Uh, Just before. Uh, You you remember, um, you know... uh, President Kennedy announced that we're going to send a man to the moon and bring him back. And I wanted to be be kind of part of that sometime there in that period. Well, about that time, there was a war going on to Vietnam. Uh, I had had a a job offer to go to uh, Tennessee and join a company that was building rockets. Unfortunately, the space program uh, sort of took a little bit of a financial nosedive, and so my job offer was rescinded. Um, I j- I joined uh, the military, and um, so eventually I had I couldn't find a job in aerospace engineering. However, I went to work for Tennessee Valley Authority, and as a a technician. And uh, I didn't know what industrial hygiene or safety was, but I applied for an industrial hygiene technician. Uh, I thought I could clean the toilets just as good as anybody. (laughs) And it paid a lot more than I was making. So uh, I started the journey there as an industrial hygiene technician. Uh, Had some interesting, a TBA made fertilizer. They generate electrical power and I was involved in a number of projects there um, and I got hooked. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is, I think this is my calling. And uh, when I was at TVA, uh, one of my mentors gave me um, a book call from Burton Rocher. He's, a, he's a, a French guy who talk, talked about early, wrote about early epidemiology. Mm-hmm. And he made several books: 11 Blue Men," "The Incurable Wound." The incurable wound. I read those books, and I was just—I was—I was—I was double hooked because I said, "This is what I want to do." And so I went back to school, um, for Texas A&M, got a master's degree in industrial hygiene, um, and and got married and. Uh, I, I work for Research Triangle Institute, and people that are senior pe- members will understand this. I worked on the NIOSH uh, criteria documents, which are very old. But I didn't like the, uh, the research, the paperwork, so I took a job at Newport News Shipbuilding. Um, I'm a field kind of, I'm a, kinda, I'm yeah. a hands-on kind of guy. And so, uh, I started my career, you know, or I guess, finished my career at Newport New Shipbuilding. I worked there 40 years, and um, in, uh, in occupational safety and health, and I had environmental responsibility as well as workers' compensation. So, I progressed up through the ranks there, and uh, that was my calling. So,
0: how has occupational safety and health changed since you started your career? I mean, imagine that you've seen a lot of stuff.
1: I have seen. (laughs) Is that is there such a thing as an understatement? (laughs) Um, You may have found it. Um, Was teeing after that? (laughs) (laughs) Get it out of the park. Yes. So yes, it has changed dramatically, Um, and I think for all for the better. technologies improved taking measurements taking um, uh, uh, taking readings of, of materials of air contaminants uh, uh, measuring heights uh, and all all sorts of different parameters uh, now there's technology for it um, the in some ways, it's more complex. There are many more chemicals out there. Every day yeah. brings more chemicals, more challenges. Uh, yet, uh, you remember the Occupational Safety and Health Act came in in 1971. Right. So the OSHA is only 50 years old. And by the way, we had to put a man on the moon before there was actually a, a, you know, a national Occupational right. Safety and Health right. Act, which is interesting. So over the years, technology's changing, <coughs> better training, be- better education, better ner- networking. Um, there's also more of a social conscience yeah. about workplace injuries and illnesses. Um, in some cases, I think there was a general acceptance of if you worked in right. certain industries you you were going to come back, come down with a certain illness, or yeah. be injured in a certain way. There was some expectation. Um, no longer is that acceptable to society, and it shouldn't be, right. and it should not be. And so, I believe the social conscience uh, has has advanced and is uh, is a real driving factor in in uh, bringing about even progressive. Uh, progressive movement in Mm -hmm. occupational health and safety and um, the there have been also more regular regulations Mm -hmm. there are more regulations out there there are more standards out there and so over time I think uh, the the, yes the complexity is greater uh, but yet, there are also better solutions, better training, more people, more uh, safety and health pros out there, um,
0: and companies are probably place, placing more of a priority on safety than they maybe did in the They 50 are, and
1: you know, with the the emerging field of ESG, mm-hmm. environmental, social, and governance, um, corporations are now paying even more attention to. Environmental issues, safety issues, uh, social issues, and governance-type issues. So, that that sort of emerging uh, trend as we kind of going or- what's around the next corner, it's probably ESG.
0: I was actually going to ask you about that. Um, you know, how are employers meeting the challenges of ESG? Because there's a lot there. It's not just one. You know, I think people see the E and they focus on the environmental stuff, but there's a whole lot of other stuff that's part of that. So how, you know, are employers, I guess, meeting the challenge now and what do they need to do to kind of get a a handle on it?
1: I think that, first, I believe that, except for the really bad actors, no corporation and no officer of a corporation wants to knowingly and willingly hurt someone. They don't. If you, you know, you're it's just not it's bad there. business. <laughs> it's, it's it is bad for the business, but it's morally wrong. Yeah, people have a conscience. Um, uh, yes, there are some bad actors out there, but you know, uh, time takes care of those mm-hmm. kinds of things. So, I think that corporations have been um, have emphasis on safety, but I still believe the concept of ESG is still emerging mm-hmm. and is whereas in the environmental world there may be um, there may be emphasis placed on pollutants mm-hmm. and and uh, how many pollutants are you uh, there's a, it's a mosquito right by you hit uh, it's okay where there's companies are more concerned about pollutants and the number of pollutants that are put in the air water or the land Um, I'm not sure that the, uh, that the uh, (coughs) criteria for safety, occupational safety and health has firmed up yet. Mm -hmm. What are the expectations? Because a corporation is, you know, they're concerned about OSH from several standpoints. One is the the moral and ethical thing. Mm -hmm. The other is The money, the finance. These injuries cost a lot of money, and with the medical costs soaring, uh, wages increasing, the impact, the liability, et cetera, et cetera. So the there's a built-in there's a built-in emphasis on corporations to do the right thing for Mm -hmm. a number of different ways. So I think. I, there, I, I think, that, so let me kind of capsulize it and say, but I think the, the pressures and the attention brought by ES and G are emerging and will, will become more finite and more clear, and that will dictate how much emphasis is placed um, on occupational safety and health. That's not to say it's just discovered, I mean, people, you know, they, uh, you know, people have, companies have been protecting people for many years. Mm. It's just uh, how will will further emphasis be placed?
0: And I guess, you know, prospective employees are also looking at a company and seeing how they perform in these areas and deciding if they even want to work there. Uh,
1: Interestingly enough, I see this trend growing, Mm. you know. Because now people have a choice right. of, uh, of where they work, and so uh, uh, I, my observation is the newest generation of potential workers does do evaluate, mm-hmm. you know, the style, the culture of the company that uh, I want to work for. If I'm a very environmental-sensitive uh, person, I'm going to check out company's track record
0: right.
1: with respect to uh, pollutants in the environment and uh, programs to reduce uh, emissions and those sorts of things. And I'm probably going to gravitate to those sorts of things. And, you know, I would like to think selfishly that they will also evaluate the safety record yeah. and injury and illness records as well yeah. as long as these other attributes. Um, I think that of itself will create more um, momentum for driving injury rates down even more.
0: And even on the the governance side, looking at you know how does this company treat its employees? You know there are ways to now you know you have glass You've got these places that people leave reviews, and you know of course those are a little biased because it's usually somebody who just got. Let go. Who's got an axe to grind? But still, you know, there are ways to kind of you know ask around, look on LinkedIn or whatever. Uh, but
1: but my feeling about that is e- even if someone has an axe to grind, <coughs> it, what's beneath that question? Sure. Why is why, why does that person have an axe? To, is there something to and if his axe? Yeah. If they and if
0: they're pointing out real problems. Exactly. Then, then so that's so, what you know about.
1: You know, my sense is as and. Many won't agree with what I'm about to say probably, but I sense, um, you know, if there are workplace incidents, injuries and illnesses, um, it when you boil it all down, it probably is the company's fault. Mm. Um, well, did, I, did I provide enough training? Yeah. Did I f- provide enough instruction? Does, does the PPE I offered fit properly? Right. Uh, you know uh, on and on did I was I were there too many production pressures that I expected uh, someone to take maybe take uh, uh, the, the pressure for someone to take a shortcut or something like mm-hmm. that so yes employees do don't don't misunderstand me I do believe that in spite of that all of that some employees maybe t- do take a shortcut knowing all of that but mm-hmm. I, but I think for the most part most injuries are preventable and with uh, and companies should kind of stand behind their programs that prevent mm-hmm. those things.
0: Um, so other than ESG, what are some of the bigger issues that you see in, sa- in occupational safety right now?
1: Um, there are a few. There are a couple. One is I think we need to look at total worker safety and health. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally and in Occupational safety workers that came into the plant. We, uh, when they entered the plant, we provided. We safety professionals provided. You know, made sure guards were on. PPE was provided, and we made sure made sure while they were in the plant that they were protected. And programs were in there. If we're going to further reduce injuries and illnesses, we need also need to look outside the plant and look at total worker health is, are there uh, risk factors mm-hmm. that were existing that made the person even more susceptible to injury or illness? And what can we do about those risk factors? And I'm not talking about wellness programs, uh, calisthenics and right. stuff. I'm talking about the total gamut of you know, worker nutrition, uh, um, smoking history, weight, uh, uh, control of diabetic conditions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I think that, to me, that's a new frontier. Now that's, some people think of that in a different way and some see total worker health. And if you ask several people, they would give you a different definition. But I think we have to look at the holistic view of a worker. He's, he's If he's working for you eight hours You're also responsible for him off the job, Mm -hmm. you know, through benefit programs and and et cetera, et cetera. So I would say that. I would say then another one is DEI and, uh, you know, um, workers, uh, you know, we have a a lot of Hispanic workers, we have a lot of of non primary speaking English uh, Mm -hmm. workers. And so I think we need, our safety professionals need to be able to relate to these people. They need to speak the language. They need to identify with them. They need to understand the culture. So underneath the ASSP tent, we need diversity under that tent so that safety professionals can um, really uh, understand the culture behind the workers they're trying to protect and the language barriers and the and the the barriers of size and and all of these things. And we need to understand that ASSP, we need to bring even more people under the ASSP tent Mm -hmm. for that very reason. Um, And I think we need continuous improvement of safety professionals. Industries are changing. There are more, uh, there are more machines introduced every day, there's more um, more chemicals introduced in the workplace every day. And safety professionals, we need to have good continuous improvement, sustained improvement, so we don't get, uh, we don't st- be stifled and stop mm-hmm. our training and our education and our learning and those sorts of things. And that, I, Again, a little bit of commercial, but that's where ASSP sure. comes into sure. play yep. to providing those kinds of training and, and networking and those sorts of things. Those are, when I was cutting my teeth in health and safety, um, I, I can't overemphasize the importance of networking with safety and health professionals like myself. Uh, I was in the maritime industry building ships for 40 years. and. My local chapter there, I could I could meet with people. We, there were several shipyards in the region, and we could compare notes: what mm-hmm. worked, what didn't, uh, those sorts of things. So we must have uh, continued improvement, continuous improvement in our safety professionals. Absolutely.
0: Um, so what what are you uh, what are your hopes for uh, the next year of the ASSP? What are you uh, looking to kind of accomplish over the next uh, twelve months?
1: Yeah, um, my hope is that we will cut injury rates in this country in half, and that's what a, that's what our job is—to reduce injury, to send everybody safely uh, back to home uh, at the same condition or better as they came. And so um, we are—we're dusting off our strategic plan and and we're try- and we're emphasizing the points that are raised earlier you know continuous improvement and workers uh, DEI continuous improvement and safety professionals and, and how they fit into everyday life so i i really I, I the work that we're doing there with a the strategic plan i hope they 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 are able to assist safety professionals and our members every day so that's that's really important uh, and I and I mentioned um, and I know I know this is redundant, but we got to look at continued look at, at uh, continuous worker improvement and and total worker protection mm-hmm. um, to include total worker health and all of those things and and like things like
0: psychological safety have been mentioned a lot too. You know, I, something that probably wasn't even a consideration when you were first starting. I,
1: I really I'm glad you asked me that, and I. I'm glad you asked me that, because I want to talk about that for a minute. Okay? Sure. Because when I was in my job in the shipyard, someone would get injured. Safety professionals would go down there and try to figure out what went wrong. Well, cut his finger off because he left the guard off. Oh, he left the guard off. Well. He was trained not to take the guard off. He was trained on the equipment and what the hazards were and he or she. And, and yet they, they went in and, and they were good for 30 years, been doing this job for 30 years, right. and cut his finger off, left the guard off and cut his finger off. Why did he do that? What's the root cause? Well, the root cause wasn't, that he left the guard right. off. Irrespective, of, he had a hard time with his wife that morning. Okay, an argument. His his mind was somewhere right. else. Okay, uh, he uh, maybe had a fight with the kids the night before or something. You know, something on his mind. So we we need to understand the psychological. When we're looking at root cause of accidents, we we need to ask why about nine times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And get to the real root cause. cause. It's not
0: always what's right in front of you.
1: It's not yeah. what what you see. Yeah. It's what you feel. Yeah. And so that's an area that I also think in addition to but but I I, I kinda put that under the umbrella umbrella of total yep. worker health. Mm-hmm. It falls under that umbrella somewhere. Yep. We need to understand the mental uh, state of workers as they enter the workplace. And we need to have supervisors that can recognize I'll bet you that that person's supervisor that I talked about noticed something different. Joe's not, he's acting different. Right. Okay? So you take him and say, Joe, what, everything okay at home? Uh, you know, so we have. We have room. Yeah, maybe you only got two hours of sleep right? that night. Before or something, exactly. Right? You worked a double shift, like Okay. Or just couldn't get to sleep, and then he comes to work and he's you know, groggy. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Or you know, and companies are, you know, production is production is king, and so sometimes <laughs> pressures are put onto workers: work faster, work longer, work harder, work, you know. And so they feel those pressures. And well, if I put the guard on, if I had the guard on, or if I took it off, I could work twice as fast. Right, right. You know, it's that kind of a thing. So we need to understand the psychology of injuries and illnesses. And by the way, let me speak to, in, to illnesses as well. Um, we measure injuries, it's easy, fairly easy. We can measure how many fingers, the fatalities we had, how many extremities we injured and, and that sort of thing I believe there's a there's the tracking for illnesses <coughs> is severely understated mm-hmm. I think there are many people that are that are made ill and even pass away from long-term injuries t- to um, airborne hazards and skin hazard etc and I don't, I don't think we've caught Quite gotten our arms around the true metric associated with occupational illnesses. I mean, a
0: lot of times, it's unreported because the person doesn't want to take time off from work, or they're worried. J- or or to lose their he may be or
1: sick or and not know right. when do sick. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you go to his fa- family care physician, who's not an occupational mm-hmm. uh, medicine physician, and treats him, you know, and doesn't doesn't recognize that. So. Yeah. We need we need to be more sensitive i think to occupational illnesses as well
0: definitely well jim thank you so much for joining me today it's been great congrats on the uh, on the show hope it uh you know we're this is day one so uh hope the rest of it goes great for you
1: well i've got a great team behind me uh, and let me say i am very humbled and honored by being elected by the membership to this uh, very important position and i I, I plan to use all my planning and education and experience to, to help people.
0: All right. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Jay. All right.
0: That wraps up episode 164 of EHS On Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time.